Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Happy Friday. It is Fantasy Sports Today. We are about 24 hours away from the divisional round in the NFL. Also a baseball trade to get to. So it's a Friday and we're ready to go as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon. Welcome in Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mission, Joe Pizapia. Happy to be with you here on this Friday, January the 10th, 2020. In less than a week from now, we will have the AFC Championship and NFC Championship team set. We'll have a new college football champion and we'll be closer to the Major League Baseball season. Thanks for listening once again to the show. We got a lot to get to, including a full preview of all four NFL games with picks and the player props, which I am so thrilled that. FanDuel was able to produce in time for the show today. Joe, good afternoon, and welcome to uh, really the last very big football weekend of the year with football on Saturday and football on Sunday. But uh, great to have uh, you back here on this Friday. What's going on? Yes, it definitely is the uh, the final great football weekend for quite some time. That's for sure. We're uh, going to be waiting a very long time to get our football Sundays back, but uh, we do have Championship Sunday still out there, and we've got uh, some really good games here on this slate. I, I think these are the teams that I think pretty much everybody wanted to see, unless you're a Cowboys fan. But I mean, outside of this, I think that you know these are the teams and the quarterbacks, especially too. When you look around, what the league is right now, and you see Aaron Rodgers, you see Russell Wilson, you see Lamar Jackson, you see Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, you see, uh, I mean, a couple other quarterbacks that, you know, I mean, Ryan Tannehill is not quite in this class, but Mahomes, Lamar, Russell Wilson, it's a quarterback league. It's been a quarterback league for quite some time. And there's really the haves and the have nots. And all the teams that are favored are also the teams that guess what? Have the quarterback. So uh, for those organizations who are still spinning their wheels and trying to uh, piece things together, this is the lesson. Take a look at this board. Take a look at the schedule this weekend and see these teams that have these premier quarterbacks. And I know everybody thinks they got that guy. The Bears thought that they thought they had that guy. But you really got to dig deep. You got to make sure you have the scouting department in tow. You got to have everybody ready to go and get the right guy when you have that moment to take that guy. Because he is going to be the difference maker of you being a playoff team and not. And this weekend is a perfect example of that. Yep. Can't wait to see these games Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I feel pretty confident here on three of the four games. And so we'll dive into that, that final one. I, I don't th- I think that that Seattle Green Bay game going to have to uh, make a final decision on Saturday on this one and also wait to see uh, about the snow. Uh, you know, Green Bay has got a lot of experience. Rogers, a lot of experience and players, a lot of experience uh, on that. So um, probably wait and see what happens there as far as that is concerned. Um, also, some uh, some news around uh, baseball yesterday, Joe, and Kind of a wild deal here as uh, the Cardinals and Rays pull off a trade. Jeff Passan early in the day reported that Matthew Libertor was traded their 2018 first round pick from Tampa to the Cardinals. But for whatever reason, the deal took about two and a half hours, three hours after that to come to full fruition, which definitely affects both fantasy and and reality. Libertor, we probably won't see for a while, two or three years. It's going to be a while for him with St. Louis will go into their system. 
But the Rays, Joe, uh, they end up getting Jose Martinez, who when he's at the plate, he is a dangerous hitter. But there's a major squeeze with St. Louis. Too many outfielders, not a designated hitter. And so he could end up being a pretty big factor for Tampa Bay this year. Yeah, he could be. Now, look, Libertor is still a couple years away. We're looking at ETA probably 2022. And we're going to break that down a little later in the show. But this is curious because Libertor is the 47th ranked prospect. Uh, Raziano, who came in this deal too, the outfielder, he's not even in our 110 in terms of top prospects in the Black Book. And then they get Jose Martinez, who... Even though Jose Martinez is a good OBP player, has some pop, all this stuff. I know he fi- fits the profile of what the Rays like to do. But, I mean, I just, I mean, this is kind of the deal that happens in your fantasy league. And you scratch your head and you're like, why the hell did that guy give up that blue chip prospect and only got that back? It's not that Jose Martinez isn't a nice player. He is. But you would have thought, okay, maybe they get Tyler O'Neill. I didn't think they were going to get Dylan Carlson necessarily. But um, we're going to talk about those names in a little bit. But I, I guess their only thought process is one or two things with Libertor. Either they think that he's really just very far away. I know he only threw 78 innings last year and rookie ball. And then a little bit in high A, he had 15 starts last year. So yeah, he's probably a couple ways years away from building up that stamina. But at the same time, this kind of reminds me of that Scott Casimir trade where, where they got Victor Zambrano and all of us Met fans were sitting there going, why did you only get Victor Zambrano for Scott Casimir? It's not like, okay, we traded Casimir and we'll see what he becomes. And I know he was very highly regarded, but what the hell are we doing? How can we only get that back? And I think when you have a blue chip prospect, the, the whole point is if you're going to cash them in, cash them in and get paid. And I, I thought this was kind of a stunning deal. I get why it helps the raise, but I think the Cardinals really kind of stole one here. Don't you? Not at all. Not really? at all. You yep. love Jose Martinez that much. I think Jose Martinez is exactly what the Rays need in a situation where they're built to win right now. And okay. they're trying to win right now. If I'm not mistaken, um, the whole key for you know again, it's different for me because I'm able to talk to people and, and send these trades to different people who are in the game. But the the key that you you can never underestimate is the Rays' ability to identify and draft talent, both uh, amateur and internationally, that put them a notch above seventy five percent of the league for sure. And okay. so essentially, what they did here is Libertor could certainly be great and they could let his situation play out and he, he can become a good pitcher. But they have now moved into getting another first round pick in the June draft by trading their comp B for getting a comp A. And they obviously have identified some players that they feel can be as good as Libertor or maybe even better. So now they have two first round picks. They have a player in Jose Martinez who is signed and did an extension last year. They don't have to worry about the financials right. of that because that's always an, uh, a concern. And in, and in three years from now, when Libertor is an ace, we'll look back on it and say, hey, the Rays ended up uh, you know, losing the deal because Libertor is so great and Jose Martinez is maybe not as so. But then the Rays will still have those picks. And that is a huge right, part and those of what picks are more do. valuable to the Rays. I, I get that because Libertor is closer structure. to getting paid, Joe. I mean, that's the deal. He is now two years away from starting that clock in a six year period. And, and look, it doesn't take it's This is the way they have to do business based on yeah, being in St. Pete and they're, and they're built to win right now. I will also say that a Rosarina is a good player. Um, I would not dismiss him at all. He can play all over the diamond. Another player that Tampa Bay likes to move around the, the way that the Rays make trades and the way that they do business is at some point they're going to be winning the trade. At some point, they're going to be losing the trade. And then at some point, they're going to be winning the trade again. And I think that that is inevitably how this is going to end up looking. Um, I think the Cardinals did Jose Martinez a favor. He really just couldn't play in St. Louis. He had nowhere to play. He's not a defender. He's got to be a DH. 
Um, and again, it's the picks, man. It is all about that. They moved up 30 spots. They moved back into the first round. It's not something that any of us can ever quantify. But now that I know a lot more about this and a lot more about how teams covet the picks, I think that that was the key. That's why they did the deal. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think that when we deal in, you know, starting to lay, dig in a little bit more to some of these stats with Martinez, look, you make a lot of good points there from the baseball side. And I think, you know, that's the difference. And, and I think that's what makes the show special is that I get the fantasy impact side and you get the real baseball side. And from the real baseball side, you're absolutely right from the fantasy side. We'll see what kind of clarity this gets. And if Jose Martinez really does get an everyday gig there, because there's a lot of people there too in Tampa. And how do they want to use him? I mean, this is a guy who has a seven something OPS against right-handed pitching in his career. It's not the greatest thing in the world either. So I think that there's definitely possibilities for Martinez to have a very nice season for Tampa. Uh, I can understand why the Cardinals want to do this deal too, because they've certainly cleared space now and cleared room to have Carlson come up maybe sooner than later. And that seems to be the overwhelming trend in major league baseball. So this is, I think we just scratched the surface of this deal. There's a lot more to get into. Yeah. And that's just, you know, again, part of it, but I, I still think Martinez will carry some value and he's a lefty masher. So, um, you know, about maybe about the same plate appearances, maybe tick it up 20%. I mean, you basically know what you're getting, but seven of the guys on, on the raise out of the nine are going to platoon. I mean, this is what they do and, and they've done a really good job of it. And, uh, Cardinals do a great job too. I think they got themselves potentially uh, a future ace, but at the cost of basically moving 30 spots down in the draft, Tampa Bay has clearly identified somebody that they want coming up in June. All right. We're off and running here on this Friday. We got the opening drive coming up next. You're listening to fantasy sports today. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. Of the opening play and all the way for a touchdown. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. It is the opening drive for this January 10th, 2020. Craig Mitchell along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. Let's get started. And we start with the NBA. One of, I think that people would say a top 10 player in the NBA, Joel Embiid. Looks like he's going to be out a month. I don't know if you caught this video, but Embiid, his finger was basically looking like a, a football defensive lineman figure. Completely turned the other way. A gross looking deal. But the Sixers are now going to be without him for at least a month. He had surgery on his finger, Joe. And when you lose one of the top players in the NBA, it's always deflating. But we got to start off with that this this afternoon. Yeah, uh, yes. And uh, I will tell you what, uh, I actually watched the Sixers game last night against the Celtics. How about that? You see that? I told you in the new year, you're going to watch some more basketball. My youngest daughter and I were watching that and they were talking about this injury uh, during the game and how Horford had to be the guy that kind of steps up now in this void that's left by Joel Embiid, who is one of my favorite players in the NBA when I do watch. I just like the guy. I think he's fun. He's a fun player to watch. He's also a fun player on the social. Like, Syndergaard, he kind of gets it. Uh, apparently, he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, and they'll see what that time frame is actually going to be. 
So um, not going to be back in two weeks, but there is a reevaluation period according to what the broadcast was talking about uh, in terms of seeing, I guess, the extensiveness of the injury and how quickly he can come back. But it's a huge loss for the 76ers. Uh, lucky for them, they've still got enough talent on this team with Simmons and Harford and some other guys that they can continue to push forward. And like everything in the NBA, you just got to make the playoffs. And the 76ers are a playoff caliber team. So um, just got to get healthy and uh, eventually come back. And yeah, it hurts the 76ers short term, but getting Embiid healthy long term is the key to that success for that team for sure. Yeah, bump up all your Sixers if you're playing DFS in the NBA moving forward for the next month or so, that's for sure. All right, second down, uh, the SEC got a lot more interesting over the last few weeks. First of all, we had Lane Kiffin leave Florida Atlantic and head over to Mississippi. And now we have Mike Leach in that air raid offense hired by Mississippi State. So, Joe, maybe uh, he gets in there and creates another Gardner Minshew because Mike Leach, uh, one of the more vocal coaches that there is historically in college football, uh, leaves a good spot in Washington State, but now goes to the SEC where he's got his work cut out for him but has had success basically wherever he's gone. And uh, I'll tell you right now, if it isn't clear to anybody, it is now. All of the high-profile coaches want that SEC money. He took it, and he heads over to Mississippi State. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think this is a great move here for uh, for Leach and really fun because you're right. This is the challenge now, right? Can you win in the SEC? Can you make this all work? And um, he's definitely one of the best press conferences you'll ever get. Yeah, I just love this guy. He's hilarious. He's a great character. And I think that kind of comes through with the players. And I think that's kind of the tone he sets. And he is going to be the underdog here. And it's going to be fascinating to see how he matches up. And I wonder in this offseason of recruiting, if people are, I don't know, those kids who are looking to go to SEC schools are saying, you know what? I, I mean, yeah, okay. And maybe LSU doesn't want me. Maybe Alabama does. But am I going to play there? Is Alabama, a, a, you know, a spot that's starting to transition a little? Maybe the run is over. It's probably not. But I can see the thought process there for some people where they go, how long can this last? I don't know. I think it's a great opportunity for him. I think it's going to be fun. And yet again, the SEC, the rich get richer. Wouldn't you agree, right? I mean, the, in terms of coaches, in terms of talent, in terms of what these guys can bring and the coaching staffs and, and the game plans. That's why the SEC is the most entertaining conference in all of sports, right? It's just really shocking to me that as much and, and again, the SEC wanted so much money from CBS to continue that contract. Like they wanted, I think, NFL type money to continue to air their games in that contract. Um, I don't know what went on in those negotiations. I'll never know, and and this is not my expertise, but I got to tell you, there is only one property, I think, that is second to the NFL, and it it, it is SEC football, and and CBS gave it up. I I just can't believe it. I think it's kind of like the deal, like whatever it is, you got to pay it, and now ESPN is going to take it over, and I'm sure they'll do a fantastic job, no question. They'll, They'll still probably have their 330 Eastern games, um, you know, but but well, the but thing it, with ESPN is they, ha- I mean, they've transitioned so hard between ESPN U and and you know, SEC, you know, storied shows and all these things. Well, they have the SEC so network. Hard. They own the SEC, right? Network. That's what I mean. And that's the whole thing. It's like the, it makes sense for them to be all in. And I guess at a certain point, they're like, look, you know, we could fight over this. And I agree with you. You're right. But I guess CBS is thinking the long term of this. But the short term, at the very least, is ESPN needs it more than anybody else because ESPN is basically their coverage of Major League Baseball is. Uh, laughable at this point uh, they cover the NBA ad nauseum they cover the NFL but not nearly as well as NFL Network does obviously and I think that they really they're, they've been searching for something for a long time and they they landed on college sports which is what they've kind of transitioned to and it's part of the reason I'm less apt to watch ESPN the only time I watch ESPN to be honest with you is if there is a game that I desperately want to watch and it happens to be on there or 
it's one of those 30 for 30s. But in terms of the actual coverage or the talking head shows, I don't know, man, I just I can't do it. The personalities, the the athletes as these mega star things that nobody talks about the coverage of the game. All they talk about is the player, the individual. And then the, also the whole, you know, like what does Kevin Hart think of the game this weekend? Well, I don't really care what Kevin Hart thinks of the game or this celebrity or that person. I want to see the coverage of the actual sport. Yeah, I'm not into those shows either, but I will say the games is what drives me and having the app and being able to watch on your phone. And uh, and look, I to a degree, I agree that the SEC should have put all their, their chips in the, you know, going on it all in and put all their chips on the table here to get the SEC. I just think that CBS had to just keep fighting to keep it. I, I think it's just a massive mistake. And now I guess what they're saying is CBS maybe takes over like the Pac-12 or goes in on the Big 12 or goes in on another network and they'll actually do very well. They'll still get good ratings. But putting that up against the Southeastern Conference, I think, is a yeah. mistake. So. Do you remember? You remember this well, I'm sure. Remember when NBC lost their AFC football contract years and years ago? Yeah. And they course. got honed, right, <laughs> over those years. And then finally, when they had that chance, they went hard over that, get that game of the week, that Sunday night football, and bought it out away from ESPN and turned it into what I think we'd all agree is replace what Monday night football used to be, which was the, what's the must watch primetime game. Yeah. It's not Thursday and it ain't Monday, which is hard to believe because when we were young, Monday night football was everything. Yeah. Monday night football was like the world stopped with Monday night football. Granted, we had less channels, but still that standalone game was huge. And NBC was on the outside looking in ABC had Monday night football, CBS and Fox had AFC NFC, and they were just out of football. And then they came back strong. So we'll see what CBS does in the college ranks. Maybe they can figure out a way to come back strong in that sense. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Smart people there. All right. uh, Third down here. I forgot to mention this actually yesterday. So I wanted to mention it today. This is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the other day, um, it just was a total coincidence. Now, uh, on my way to pick up my kids from school, I always drive by this new Popeyes that is basically five minutes from me or 10 minutes from me. And every day I drive by just to see what the line is. And I never stop, never. And there's actually been days that I've driven by and there's been nobody in the drive-thru and I still don't stop, but I take note of it. Well, (laughs) the other day, I believe it was Tuesday, I looked at the time and I looked at the line and said, you know, this is a day that I can actually stop. I think I can pull this off. Uh, There was no one in the drive-thru at all. And I had plenty of time to still get to the school and take care of business and everything else. And the other thing, too, is I wanted to really try and enjoy the sandwich and not be a drive and eat guy. So I did pull in the drive through. I did get the chicken sandwich. And I finally can say that I'm probably the last one. But in 2020, I have tried the chicken sandwich. And I think that your analysis of it is definitely spot on. It's a very good sandwich. The end. You know, yes, it, it is not worth waiting for. It is not worth all the hype. It is not worth killing somebody for. Definitely it, not. It just happens to be a good chicken sandwich, and that's it. It, it, it. Are there chicken sandwiches that are probably as good? Sure. I mean, that. yeah. But, I don't know but, about in the fast food world if there's one as good. It's definitely the best oh, of Ch- the Chick-fil-A one. Chick-fil-A is definitely has a good uh, See, now I, I got I to gotta take umbrage with that because I've had the Chick-fil-A, and I got to tell you, I was kind of like, I was going to no? like end. Right. I don't know. Like, I didn't get it. I'll tell you what. I, I tried like the grilled and then the regular and all the different kinds and stuff like that because I remember when you know I was working at the other channel, they opened one right around the corner from that. So I had hit it up once or twice before show, you know, running late and stuff. And I, I know it's kind of like, eh, you know, all right, it's good. I would rather have the Popeye's chicken sandwich than the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Okay, fair enough. But I don't think it's worth killing anyone over. No, no I would agree with definitely that. Definitely not. So the good spicy sand- one is good, though. I know you I did not go that route. Yeah, I did mm, not go that delicious. route. Yeah, for whatever reason, sometimes 
I have bad reactions to spiciness. Not that it destroys me. It just kind of like no, it doesn't sit right. So I just don't go that route. It, it, it depends on the situation. You're a delicate flower. Um, so I did not. I did not go that route. But it was good. It, and by the way, it was very quick to get. And I was very happy with that as well. So now put me down. I've had one. There you uh, go. Okay. Uh, finally, here on Fort Dallas, do this real quick. Uh, UConn women's basketball, historically fantastic, as good with Gino Ariema and everybody else that's been part of that program has been awesome. Uh, really, we should be congratulating them. 98 straight games winning at home. That's amazing in college basketball. It was snapped last night by Baylor, 74 to 58. But uh, UConn women is, you know, a couple of teams, Joe, have caught up to them in terms of college. They were that team for about a decade that just couldn't be beaten. Now some teams have. But I think that this is more of a celebration for a team winning so much as opposed to a disappointment. I would agree. I think that's a really good assessment. And I would like to see more competitive women's basketball. And I think we've had that lately and more challengers to that throne. I mean, I think there should be some people out there recruiting, but it's just tough because every girl dreams who plays basketball is playing for that program. So until another team kind of steps up and fills that void as the real challenger, it's going to continue to be tough for other programs to get some of that best female talent. But there will be a lot more female talent in the next 10 years for sure. Women's basketball is really taking off, especially around you know the, the East Coast area. All right, we'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. When we come back next, uh, more on that trade yesterday between the Cardinals and Rays. We'll have the fantasy impact of that. You're listening to Fantasy Sports today. Craig and Joe, don't go back. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook. Listeners to this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500, and here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account, make a deposit, place your first bet, DraftKings will match it with a 50% bonus of up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users, plus new users can get a risk-free bet of up to $200. Just go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. You have to be in New Jersey to take advantage of this. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details, and you have to also be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 gambler welcome back if you in case you missed the first part of our show we did dive in a little bit to the trade between the rays and cardinals yesterday and i gotta tell you as the news started to percolate yesterday i got excited i thought that maybe this was going to be a blockbuster of some kind and it's actually been described as a blockbuster which i don't really get Mm. because there is not one guaranteed all-star superstar in this deal but at least it creates some interesting content for us and yesterday basically the tampa bay rays got jose martinez and Randy Rosarina, who's more of a utility player, can play all over the place uh, and is, was a highly touted prospect of the Cardinals, maybe a top 10, top 20 guy over the last couple of years. Um, also, the Rays move up in the draft 30 spots. They get a comp A pick. The Cardinals now move down to a comp B pick, still a valuable pick there in the second round. And Matthew Libertor will end up, if healthy and if if good, will end up either being a one or a two or at worst a three starting pitcher in a major league baseball rotation for the Cardinals in a few years. So, Joe, at this point, the Rays continue to not be afraid of moving pieces. 
you would think a team that would win as many games as they did last year would just be satisfied with that and come back with the same team. But no, they trade Tommy Pham. Uh, they trade, you know, their their draft pick, their top prospect. And I just love the way that this organization does business because they continually do not do us any favors in fantasy. But in reality, they piece it together with their limited budget, their limited payroll, that awful ballpark, the lack of fans that go, and they just win year after year. So who am I to question that? Yeah, they're like that little league team that has that doesn't have the big kid. You know, they all just have a bunch of little kids who all are, are really athletic and good and nobody can hit home runs or anything. They just kind of all know how to play baseball and have good fundamentals. <laughs> they're like, that's that's what the Rays are. And, and they're kind of the annoying team to play because of that. They pitch, they field and they play the percentages better than maybe anybody except perhaps Oakland. I don't know. We can probably get into that discussion, but um, it's definitely a situation here where it's a, it's a good spot for Jose Martinez to land. I think we'd all agree. I also let you troll me the other day and I want to, I want to, you know, fight back a little bit. Cause you said mm-hmm. you laughed at me when I said, well, Hunter Renfro can hit 30 home runs. You're like, when's the last time a guy in the race at 30 home runs? And the answer is last year it was Austin Meadows, but I digress. Uh, he hit 33, but Jose Martinez, not the biggest power hitter. The thing you like about him is he hit everywhere. He hit on the road. He hit in his career away from uh, from Bush Stadium or whatever it's called today. I don't know. But a 305 batting average at home, 291 on the road, uh, uh, OPS above 800 in both spots. The thing that you'd like to see a little bit, again, I keep saying, you know, I know he mashes lefties. That's great. 331 batting average against left-handed pitching his career, 976 OPS. But against righties, he's, he's, a, nice, he's a nice hitter. He's a good hitter. I think, I think that's the whole thing with Jose Martinez is you look at the player and you say, this is a nice player. We gave up a top prospect for a nice player. And from a baseball perspective, in the economics of the game, I think you're absolutely right with your analysis at the top of the show. I'm just kind of curious what kind of an impact this does make. Let's say, you know, the only time he's played 152 games was two years ago in 2018. And he had a really good start to the 2018 season. And they kind of fizzled the rest of the way. He had 17 home runs, 83 RBI, hit 305. It's a nice player. To me, he's like a fantasy utility guy or, you know, a decent corner guy in a deeper league. Like if you're in a 15 mixer or something like that and you want to play Jose Martinez at your corner, I think that's fair. Do you think that's about what you think the the value of Jose Martinez is at this point? Because I don't worry about him switching leagues. He He's the kind of guy that's just a professional hitter. He hits everywhere. He's almost like a poor man's Victor, Mar- uh, Victor Martinez in that sense, in terms of like profile. It's not doesn't quite have the power upside, but kind of has the slash line that you would imagine. So is that like a fair assessment of the talent of this now 31-year-old, by the way, Martinez? Yeah, I, I think that if I had to project his numbers, it would be so- somewhere in between two years ago and last year. And that's mm-hmm. really easy to do because all you got to do is take a look at his 2017 season. And I think that that's going to be more or less in line with what he'll do. Uh, I would say he'll hit 15 home runs. I would say he'll drive in 60. I would say his OBP will be about 360, 350. And if you are playing in a league such as a rotisserie uh, daily league where you can move guys in and out of your lineup, I think he's a great ad because I still love those numbers. I think in an AL only, I think he's a great player to have. But if you're playing in a weekly league where you can't move guys in and out, there's no way this guy's playing six days a week. It's not happening. Uh, What the Rays do is they move guys in and out and they platoon and every single player they have on their roster more or less is in that spot. Uh, As you mentioned, Meadows had the great year last year. So no question, you would think that he'll get an opportunity to play every day. Kiermaier will be in center. If healthy, he'll play every day as well. That's about it. I think Hunter Renfro plays okay. some, sits some. Uh, Martinez plays some, sits some. A Rosarina will get involved. They added Sutsugo, who is going to play some, uh, probably predominantly Choice. against righties. Yeah, G Man Choi's at DH. Right? You know, so G Man Choi's going to play against righties. Well, that was going to be my question to you. Is is 
how do you handle Choi, first base, Martinez, DH, Satsuga? Like, I feel like that's the all trio that you've got. It's all out. platooning. That's all. You're just going to play the matchups and the platoons, right? Nobody that's can possibly win out. No. Yeah. I mean, not on this team. No. And yeah. then they have uh, Yandy Diaz, who is, is not a great defender, but certainly he'll have a chance to play every day. He may not. They have Wendell, who could play all over the diamond. They have Brandon Lowe, who could play over all over the diamond. Uh, Brandon Lau, Nate Lowe, <laughs> they, they they just have a million you gotta, guys. You got to get your lows and your Lau straight. That's that's what you got. You always yeah. got to make sure you got those right. They have a million guys. Yeah, and they're gonna play them all <laughs> over the place. And uh, I just what I like about the Rays, and I and I know this isn't a you know it's it it sucks for fantasy because they're just not that viable in fantasy. But what team just basically punts Tommy Pham? Like they just basically said, no, nah, you know we're good. You know twenty homers, twenty steals. Oh, well, you know what? Also. Tommy Pham didn't want to be there in the first place. You know, I mean that when that trade went down, he was pretty miserable. Tommy Pham doesn't want to be it's, anywhere. Okay. <laughs> well, but I mean, he certainly doesn't want to be in Tampa. Uh, here's another question for you because you're more of an only league guy than I am. I can't. I'm not a fan. It's not something I want to participate in. But in AL only leagues, is there something to be said if it is a daily transaction format in AL only? Would it be smart to take the discount on some of these players if you're willing to be the kind of person who will manage your lineups on a daily basis and get a discount and kind of be like the rays of your fantasy league in a way and and maximize the productivity from each spot on that day by saying, okay, today's the Choi day, today's Martinez day, and you own maybe two or three of these guys and you kind of plug and play them at the utility spots? I would say that 90% of the country, it this that what you just said does not apply. To somebody so like, even if you're willing to play an ale only league, you're also not that kind of lunatic. I feel like that percentage I am. might be a little bit different. I okay. am, but I don't think that most people are. And I would not ask that upon people to be an absolute lunatic to every single day wake up and go, okay, lefty, righty, Jose in, Susu go out. Okay, G-Man Choi in, Jose Martinez out. Now, look, there are a small percentage of people who are willing to do it. And in the experts leagues that we play in that have daily transactions that you can move guys in and out. No question about it. And by the way, most people who would be listening to this conversation are probably like, are you nuts? I would love to do that because you are nuts for listening to that kind of conversation. But the average person, I don't think, is going to will is going to be willing to devote the time to it. So you would have to be a huge fantasy baseball fan in order to execute what you're saying. Well, and that's it is why the, right the caveat plan. was AL only, because the caveat being AL only to me is like most of the people who play only leagues are kind of nuts, I think, in a little in a little bit now. You're right. I think the casual fan who, you know, plays fantasy is never going to do this. But at the no. same time, the the hardcore fan that's still in that AL only league that they've been in for 15 years, it's something to consider and something they should think about if especially they're in an auction where it doesn't go their way. I think it's an intriguing fallback because I think if you're willing to do the work, you might be able to piece it together. Uh, let's let's go to the other side of this, too. And let's talk about <clears throat> some of the prospects of this impacts here, too, because Tyler O'Neill did not get moved in this deal. So obviously some clear path to playing time for him. Um, we'll talk about Carlson in a second, but here's the profile from the new Black Book 2020 on Libertor. Uh, this is written by Eric Cross, who does all the write-ups for all the prospects uh, in Black Book every year and for Fantrax. Guy's fantastic. Uh, someone recently asked him to give MLB comparison for Ray's left-handed pitching prospect, Matthew Libertor. Uh, he came up with Madison Bumgarner. He said, is that lofty and best-case scenario? Sure, but it shows both the ceiling and the floor of Libertor. His arsenal for uh, runs, four pitches deep, he is projected as at least a Major League Baseball you know, rotation guy. And he's basically saying he's got the upside of a number two starter. 2022 would be the ETA. He's got a fastball. that sits in the low nineties plus curveball with a big break above average change up with a fade and a serviceable slider. So you feel like it's a big arsenal basically for the experience. Now it's just a matter of, can he stay healthy? Number one, can he build the innings and he continue to have success 
at every level of the minor league. So, you know, this will be a fascinating project for the Cardinals for the next couple of years in 2021. And maybe we'll see him in 2022. But it certainly sounds from this write up again, ranked number 47th in the black book overall, that this is a guy that still has a bright future, but still has a lot to prove and is still a couple of years away. So as far as dynasty goes, I don't think this I don't think you always like the move to the National League. So I would say it's a small uptick for his dynasty value. Would you agree with that? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, Just a small because Cardinals yeah, are a great organization. They they are, but I, I think the signal to me is a little bit of a changing in philosophy from them, which is over the last decade, both reality and fantasy, they've been able to cultivate a ton of young starting pitchers that have come to the big leagues and have succeeded. And the fact that they had to go outside their organization tells you what they really think about the guys, I think, inside the organization. So my bigger takeaway is to do a deeper dive into the starting pitchers that are coming up for the Cardinals that are in uh, you know, Springfield and Memphis and maybe downgrade them a little bit because the idea mm-hmm. that they had to go outside to get a guy that they think is going to be major league ready, they're probably bereft of starting pitching down there. Yeah, and now the other guy that this impacts is Dylan Carlson because one less guy, Jose Martinez, opens up another door potentially for Carlson, who mostly played at double-A, but he did a triple-A last year, had combined 292, 26 homers, 20 steals. Uh, this is a guy that could start out at triple-A again. I Probably that's what's going to happen, and chances are this will be a super two guy. I don't think... I think they have enough depth at the major league level, barring a barring an injury in spring training, that they're not going to rush him. But it certainly seems like if we're talking profile, according to you know what Eric's got written here, 280, 25, 25, that's his peak. That's a really nice fantasy player, especially in roto leagues where you're going to get average homers and steals. He's the 13th ranked overall prospect in the black book this year. And the ETA is probably sometime early in 2020. So if you're in redrafts this league this year in deeper leagues, Carlson's a guy that you can draft and stash, and he might be a really nice power speed combination guy sometime in late June, potentially. That might be when he starts to make an impact. Yeah, I think that if the Cardinals, uh, under the assumption that they do not bring Ozuna back, then I think Carlson spends two weeks in the minors for service time and then comes up and plays every day. And I would put him at 140 games, 150 games. But if Ozuna is back, then that definitely will change the conversation. And it also, by the way, will tell you a little bit how they feel about Carlson if they do sign Ozuna. So I think that those things will also piece themselves together. The outfielders that they do have, although there's some uh, sense that there is a logjam, you have a logjam of all guys that I really don't feel that strongly about. Uh, Dexter Fowler, Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, whatever. You know, like I, I'm not. I mean, Edmund is the one interesting guy that can play all over that I would have more interest in. Right. Any he's going to get more at bats because he plays all over. Right. Any, I, any I of those other guys, I don't. I don't have. The only thing with Edmund is, let me tell you something about Edmund too. You go back and check out the minor league profile because I wrote him up in the black book. The minor league profile is not a great power. No, so this a, is what they a, do. This right. But from a volume, do. but from a volume standpoint, even in points leagues. It's a player who doesn't strike out a lot, a player who puts the ball in play, a player who's got a little pop. You know, he's one of those guys that's just kind of like a Martin Prado, if I had to put like a thing on him, which is a nice little player to own, especially when you have so many IL <laughs> situations in, in your fantasy baseball league. So he's a nice own, but Carlson's the guy. That's the guy to keep an eye on, and I would take the shot in drafting him late this year, even in redraft leagues, in order to, to get a piece of him. Yeah, well, you, you do have to uh, also have a little caution because the Cardinals historically have had these guys, again, come up in the first year, look really good. Second year, don't repeat it. Grichik, Piscotti, sure. Young, Aledmus Diaz, Bader. I can keep going. The um, only thing with Carlson is the plate discipline's been better. No, Carl. No, I'm saying this is with Ed. No, you're right. All those guys are right. But Grichik had a lot of secondary stat issues. He had raw power, but a lot of contact issues. Piscotti less so. Carlson's like I feel like the opposite. Carlson's more like a could be good, but yeah, more like a player the Oakland A's would bring up. Then they signed Oz- they sign Ozuna. It's going to zap his value. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent agree. So we'll see what happens the next couple weeks. All right, uh, NFL picks next. We'll do the Saturday games along with the player props. Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you here on Friday. Welcome back to the show. It's time to review the picks and props for the Saturday games in the NFL Divisional Round. Let's start off with the 49ers and Vikings. The 49ers are seven-point favorites, Joe, against the Vikings. The line is, uh, as I said, minus seven. The total is 44.5. Before we get into the props, do you feel strongly either way? about uh, these teams or side or total in this one? Uh, you know what? I'll say this. I think the Vikings cover this. I do. They. I really, I, you You mentioned it, 49ers get into a lot of close games. I think they're going to start off red hot in this game. That would be my guess. You know, coming out all excited, all juiced up and everything like that. And then I think the Vikings are going to run the football and slow the game down a little bit. And then I think it's going to be real close. So I would actually take the Viking side of this. I think seven's a big number there. And I feel like the Vikings have a little bit of that underdog. No one believes in us vibe. And that is super dangerous because they have nothing to lose. They've already won their playoff game against the team that nobody thought they could beat. And I feel pretty good about that. And I think the 44 and a half, uh, I'm going to go with the over. It's going to be super tight, but I, I think it goes slightly over there. Uh, that's that too, too many talented players on the field. And I know Thielen and Diggs are, you know, kind of limping into this one, but I think those guys will show up at game time. How about you, Craig? Yeah, I'm going to take the 49ers. I think that the Vikings uh, you know, basically had their best game of the year last week. A lot of things had to happen for them to win that game, uh, including a, a miracle pass that Thielen caught. I don't like the fact that neither Thielen or Diggs practiced all week. I would assume both will play. It's the playoffs. It's the shortest turnaround for any team left in the NFL playoffs, having to play Sunday and then travel across the country on a Thursday to get into San Francisco. Uh, The problem for the NFL playoffs from a betting perspective is that we all have this recency bias with the teams that have advanced in the wild card. So therefore, the love is on Minnesota, Tennessee, maybe some people like Houston or Seattle because we just saw them and we forget the whole goal of the NFL season is to get the bye week. And we spend all this time talking about teams getting the bye week. And then when they get out of the bye week, we're willing to go against them. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a very rare minus seven. I think that all year long, I wouldn't take a minus seven, but I am going to do yeah, it. Yeah, I'm very week. surprised. Very surprised. Yep, I'm going to actually take another favorite. I'm going to take another favorite later on. Okay, oh uh, no, nothing on the total for me at all. Jimmy Garoppolo, 251 and a half passing yards against the Vikings. is. And by the way, these are all courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook. Garoppolo, 251 and a half, Joe, over under this. I'm going to go slightly over here because I think it's real tough to run on Minnesota, but it's much easier to throw. And those corners just not very good. So I'm, I'm going to go a little over this one. Okay. I, think he's uh, in the I feel I feel an over also. So I will go over uh, 251 and a half. How about Cousins at 228 and a half? Well, if I believe they could say competitive, then he's got to be able to throw the football a little bit. So I'm going to say slightly over on this one, too. 
Okay, I'll I'll go under this, but I wouldn't say that I, I think this is a solid line at two twenty. Because I'm also I think you also have to factor in, you know, throwing the ball Dalvin Cook and the the yak yards that yeah, will accumulate be. into cousins. Yep. Raheem Mostert, fifty two and a half rush yards. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under. Minnesota's tough. I think they're gonna see the full onslaught of the Usheks and the Mosters. Anybody they can run the football with, they're going to, and they're just gonna keep fresh guys out there. I think that's the approach you take against Minnesota, but I don't think Moser's going to have over 50. No, I'm going to say under. Okay. Yeah. I think that uh, the, the 49ers are going to run a lot in this game. And I don't think that Moster goes over by much, but I am going to take the over here. I'll also take the over on Dalvin cooks, rushing yards at 72 and a half. It's the only thing that they have that's successful consistently. And I don't think it indicates whether they win or lose, but I still, I will go over the 72 and a half rush yards for cook. I will agree. I will turn my key on that one over for 72. I actually think that's almost kind of like a gimme personally. I mean, I know Quan Alexander's back and all, but still it's Dalvin Cook 72. Eh, I don't know, man. I think over. Yeah, I think over on that one. Uh, Samuel, this is a tough one because, again, not an indicator of a win or a loss. And man, like just right on the spot, 50 yards over (laughs) under on Samuel. I don't know. I, I feel like a coin flip on this. If I had to flip it, I'd say under. But it wouldn't shock me to see a long touchdown from him either if this game gets out of hand. So uh, I'll say under, but I'm I'm not feeling very confident. On, on I'm going to go over because, again, the corners are not very good. So I think Samuel will be that guy. Samuel and Kittle will have good games. The rest of that wide receiving core is just – Manuel Sanders just hasn't been you – know, ever since that early impact, he really hasn't been able to do all that much. He's had a couple moments in games, but nothing you can consistently rely on. So I think Samuel is the go-to guy. and. I would not also be surprised if they had a couple gadget plays in there for Samuel to get the football as well. So he's going to touch the football a fair amount in this game. But in terms of receiving yards, I'm going to go over this. I think he can get over the 50, especially if I think Garoppolo goes over 251. Okay. Uh, uh, Kittle's number is 76 and a half. It feels like a high number, but if the 49ers are going to win, I think he has to hit that. So I guess I got to go over that, but I don't feel great about that either. I'm going to go over this one, too. I'm going to go. I think it's Samuel and Kittle. I think that's what it is. I don't think you're going to be able to run the football very well against Minnesota. That's just my take on it from what I've seen the last, you know, when Minnesota's healthy in that front, and they are. So I will take uh, I'll take Kittle on the over, too. Okay. And uh, Kyle Rudolph is the final prop here. Now, just for uh, for understanding here, FanDuel, because of the questionable tag on both Diggs and Thielen, did not post their yards. Now, maybe they will tonight but at the time we're doing the show they're not available so Rudolph is the final one at 23 and a half oh man you know Rudolph's always good for like a touchdown but when Thielen Diggs are both on the field I don't feel real good I'm gonna go under here uh, unfortunately but it's that that does change significantly if one of those other two guys isn't available but they're gonna play all right, let's uh, let's move over. To, and, oh yeah, I, I got to give something on here. Um, I'll go under. Titans and Ravens. The Ravens are minus nine and a half. The total is forty-seven. I'll start off with this. Uh, I got to take a big L on Tennessee this year. I had them under their win total, and I feel like even though I lose, I still don't like this team. Um, uh, excuse me, boy. Let me let me let me start that over. Uh, Titans at Ravens, nine and a half. The total is 47. Okay, let me fix my mouth here. Um, I was thinking of Houston here for a second. When we get to them, that's my opinion. Well, I don't think you like the Titans either. I think uh, I, I, like the, I like the, the Titans. I like the Titans. All right. 
I think that they have a chance to keep this game close. I do. I really do think that they have a chance. Uh, I am not going to go against Lamar Jackson, though. So I am going to shift to the total, and I am going to go under the 47. I think that what Vrabel did last week was genius. He's not going to be able to pull that off again with punting and killing three minutes a clock. But I do think that no matter what, based on what I saw from Tannehill in New England last week, the Titans know there's no way they're keeping this close or winning the game on the arm of Tannehill. It has got to be on Derrick Henry. I think even in a game where Baltimore is up by two or three touchdowns, they're still going to have to run the ball. It's going to be cold. I think it's going to be under this total of 47. I don't have a strong opinion on the side. If I had to, it would be taking the points here and saying that the Titans somehow find the back door, but I cannot go against Lamar Jackson in this one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I'll just take 47 in the under. Yeah, I'll take the under too. It feels like a 28-14 kind of a game to me, and that would that would play in the like that. That's kind of the range because it's difficult when you're playing a game like Baltimore who can score very quickly but also can have really long sustained drives because Lamar runs the football and they run the football efficiently too. So if what you're trying to do is ground a pound with Henry, you could try and and do your best, but I feel like they're going to convert more. So I think you always have to worry about that, even if it ends up being like a 28-16 kind of game and you know Tennessee ends up kind of settling for those field goals. I think that's the difficult. I'll take the... I'll take the nine and a half. I think that the Ravens actually cover this. I think it's all right. I think the Ravens are going to win this game easily, even though it could be close at halftime. I think the Ravens would have the goods to pull away. Maybe they come out flat from the bye. Who knows? I think you take the under. I think you take the Ravens. And I think that, uh, like I said, 28-16, that's kind of what this feels like. I don't think they can match up with them personnel-wise. And that building is going to be rocking, man. They are excited. They are feeling it. And I think Lamar's ready, man. Last year, the playoffs, you know, didn't <laughs> exactly work out for Lamar. This year, I think uh, I think it's going to be a different story. Okay, uh, Lamar Jackson's passing yards is 215 and a half. What you got over under this? Uh, I'm going to go under. I will do the same. Tannehill, 220 passing yards. Boy, they are just sucking you into the under here. It's got to go over. I mean, this has to be an over. This looks way too high. <laughs> it just has to be. I think it's got to go over too. I kind of agree. It has to be. I mean, I only two for 50 yards. The world is taking the under here on 220. I'm going over. Uh, boy, tough one here. Henry, 93 and a half. I'm going to go think, over for the volume. It's going to be, be four, isn't it going to be 40 <laughs> or 200? I don't think there's a middle here. Is there? Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a middle because there's like you said, they still have to give him the football. So if he still carries the ball 25 times, it's hard to see him not at least getting 100. But this is one of those rare occasions where they could get him 100 yards rushing and they could lose the football game just because of what Lamar Jackson's capable of doing. Those big plays. See, they don't have that guy. I mean, Henry has that big run on occasion and stuff like that. That's great. But I'm going to take Henry here at the 93. I think he goes over. How about this interesting number? Lamar Jackson's rushing yards, I feel over like 76 and a half. Over. What do you think he gets tomorrow? I think he's close to a hundred. Hmm. Don't you think? I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I like I think we'll know right away on this one. I'm gonna pass. Well, but AJ, you know, I realize when he has that one thirty five or forty yard run, that's it. If like, he he's does gonna that. hit that number. Yeah, if he does. When does that. he not? <laughs> I know he has. He's done it every game. AJ Brown at sixty and a half. Um 
I'm going to go under because Peters is going to be on him. Okay. Uh, we got to run through these real quick. Corey Davis, 37 and a half. Over. Okay. Uh, Hollywood. We have nothing on Ingram. He's questionable. Uh, Malcolm Brown. Hollywood Brown, 38 and a half. This is uh, an Marquise under. Brown. Uh, Marquise Brown's going to go. I'm going to go over the 38. I think you're going to, he's going to find him for that one big play. I think that's, that's the only that's way that tracks. happens. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. and then Seth Roberts and Sneeds. Uh, Roberts is 14 and a half. I'm running away from these. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason. All right. Um, let's run away from this hour. Best of the first hour next. <laughs> we'll be back with more, including an interview with uh, Warren Moon, who was on Sports Grid earlier this week. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Yeah, I'm going to take the 49ers. I think that the Vikings uh, basically had their best game of the year last week. A lot of things had to happen for them to win that game, uh, including a a miracle pass that Thielen caught. I don't like the fact that neither Thielen or Diggs practiced all week. I would assume both will play. It's the playoffs. It's the shortest turnaround for any team left in the NFL playoffs, having to play Sunday and then travel across the country on a Thursday to get into San Francisco. Uh, the problem for the NFL playoffs from a betting perspective is that we all have this recency bias with the teams that have advanced in the wild card. So therefore, the love is on Minnesota, Tennessee, maybe some people like Houston or Seattle because we just saw them and we forget the whole goal of the NFL season is to get the bye week. And we spend all this time talking about teams getting the bye week. And then when they get out of the bye week, we're willing to go against them. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a very rare minus seven. I think that all year long, I wouldn't take a minus seven, but I am going to do yeah, it. I'm very week. surprised. Very surprised. Yep. I'm going to take another favorite and take another favorite later on. Okay. Oh, uh, no, nothing on the total for me at all. Jimmy Garoppolo, 251 and a half passing yards against the Vikings is on. By the way, these are all courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook. Garoppolo, 251 and a half, Joe, over under this. I'm going to go slightly over here because I think it's real tough to run on Minnesota, but it's much easier to throw. And those corners are just not very good. So I'm, I'm going to go a little over this one. Okay. I, think uh, in the I, feel, I feel an over also. So I will go over uh, 251 and a half. 